0: What fictional food have you always wanted to try? Let me know down in the comments. I'll be pinning some top answers. For me, well, you got some scenes that just look delicious. That opening room from Willy Wonka, every time they have a meal in Harry Potter, like, everything in those scenes looks fantastic. Then you have stuff like Winnie the Pooh's honey, which, to me, always looked so delicious. And then you try real honey, which is just disappointing. Like, every time I have some honey, I feel betrayed. But today, I'm more interested in wacky fictional foods. Weird stuff that was created because it's fiction, where you can make anything. When it comes to sandwiches, there are two that I really want to try. First, there's the ultimatum from Regular Show. The ultimatum is a cheeseburger stuffed inside a cheeseburger with two deep-fried cheeseburgers as buns. We add our special ketchup that we get from the Himalayas. I mean, a cheeseburger stuffed inside a cheeseburger with two deep-fried cheeseburgers as buns? Insane. Most likely awful, but I'd like to try it just for the memes. And then there's Jake's Sandwich from Adventure Time. Cream cheese, pickles, and some dill. Dice Boiled Eggs Bird from the Window Common Cucumber sliced Roma Tomato Sweet Yellow Onion Tears for Salt Meat Prepared Sous Vide Bacon Again, I don't think it'd be good. Bird from Window is an ingredient that makes me a wee bit nervous. But after dedicating a whole episode on this channel to gathering salt from my own tears, I kind of feel obligated to try this thing. Anyway, those are some of my choices. Let me know yours down in the comments below. But probably the longest standing fictional food mystery comes from one of Disney's most iconic movies, Beauty and the Beast. In the song Be Our Guest, Lumiere presents us with the most wonderful dinner spread ever. Soups and souffles, pies and puddings, it all looks great. But buried in there is one mystery food. One thing that's kept delightfully vague, named by its color alone. Try the gray stuff, it's delicious. No, no, stop. We do not acknowledge that version here. Any movie where an antique candelabra starts flossing to a Disney classic is not okay. This, this is what I'm talking about. Try the gray stuff, it's delicious. This gray goo on a cracker. What exactly is it? And is it as delicious as the candlestick would have us believe? Well, mesdames and messieurs, today we're looking at culinary history, world history, Disney parks, and degustation galore in an attempt to finally put a name to the grey stuff. Spoiler alert, Disney is trying real hard to make sure you don't find out what it is. So, let's begin. Hello internet, welcome to Food Theory, the show where we think like theorists, eat and drink like theorists, push our sanities over the brink like theorists. Today I invite you to be my guest as we explore a tale as old as time, Beauty and the Beast's grey stuff. Now, this mystery food first appeared in a random line in the middle of the song Be Our Guest. My guess is that they needed a phrase that roughly rhymed with the next line, ask the dishes, and just wound up with that because it fit the cadence of the song. And yet, here we are. It's a fictional food that made huge headlines when Disney made it available in the parks back in 2013. That movie as a reminder came out in 1991 so it took over two decades before the eager public was finally able to sample the proverbial gray stuff. But what is it? Well, if you believe the movie that shall not be named it's just caviar. Look, it's right there just a big old pile of fish egg. I'd argue that caviar is more black but again this is a movie that has a flossing candlestick so its opinion on anything is immediately invalid. Which just means that we gotta go back to the original source material. Here, we see that it's gray, it's blobby, and it's served on a thin cracker. So, what could it be? Well, fair warning, you might not think this stuff is so finger-licking good by the end of today's episode. Now, like I mentioned, starting back in 2013, Disney started to offer what it purports to be the gray stuff, not caviar at some of its parks. At the BR Guest Restaurant in the Magic Kingdom, you can order yourself a chocolate tart featuring the gray stuff. At other times, they serve it solo in a chipped cup made from white chocolate. And at the Disneyland Resort in California, you can try the grave stuff during the holidays, a spoopy reimagining that served at the Red Rose Tavern in Fantasyland. When I first heard about him serving it, I ran to Disney World to try it. Let's just say that I was excited about the content implications. We need this footage so we can write it off as a business expense, which required us to come to Disney World for several days. So I tried it and the results were fine. good. Personally, I'd already moved on to other desserts. Everyone hypes up the gray stuff. I'm all about the pink red stuff. And my mind had already wandered onto other new video opportunities. Coming soon to a channel near you, what health ramifications when you eat Five dozen eggs every morning to help you get large. Yeah. Dealing with heart issues. No way, way. Dealing with h- high cholesterol. Maybe you're a barge because you're dealing with aggressive swelling. <laughs> Just so much edema. So Disney would have you believe that the gray stuff is a sweet dessert. A light, finely whipped cookies and cream mousse. And while sure, these desserts are gray and gooey, they're actually nothing more than sugar-coated lies. Well, you might think this mystery's already been solved, I'm about to tell you that you know as much about the gray stuff as Gaston knows about female empowerment. My little wife. Massaging my feet. You see Disney wants us to believe that the gray stuff is a lovely chocolatey moose But this is rewriting not only Disney history, but like actual real world history in truth Disney is afraid of you finding out what the gray stuff really is which means it's my job to expose them for it So let's set off on a quest to find out not what Disney World wants you to think the gray stuff is But what it was actually intended to be all along first Let me prove to you why the gray stuff could not have been a chocolate cookie moose to do that We need to go back not to 1991 when the movie came out, but even further back to when the old B&B was just a B. A a book. I mean, it it all started as a book. The story of Beauty and the Beast is based on the novel La Belle et la Bête, originally written by Gabrielle-Suzanne Barbeau de Villeneuve in the year 1740. If the French names and general pre-French Revolution vibes didn't clue you in, the story is set in 18th century France, likely between the years 1740 and 1789. Any later than that, and, uh, let's just say the Beast would have had a lot bigger problems on his claws than fine finding true love anyways to have ourselves a cookies and cream mousse you need well cookies and cream which means a few crucial ingredients like milk or cream sugar and chocolate historically speaking chocolate did exist at the time of beauty and the beast records show that anne of austria brought it as a wedding gift for her soon-to-be husband king louis the 13th back in 1615 also chocolate as a wedding gift (laughs) had i known that i could just show up to a royal wedding with a little toblerone i'd be all over the 18th century french course Nope, nope, never mind. Point is, the French upper class loved chocolate as much as they loved cake. Let them eat cake. So much so that nobles and royals across the country were appointing their very own confectioners to prepare it for them. Now, if you enjoy your chocolate in the bar or chip variety, it may be a little hard to imagine that in the early days, chocolate was only consumed as a liquid. It'll be even harder to imagine that back then the French also considered chocolate a drug. Kinda gives the word chocoholic a whole new meaning. In fact, the first time chocolate ever took a form even remotely comparable to a cooking was when a chocolatier named Suplice de Beauve blended headache medicine with cocoa butter to create what he called chocolate pistole for Marie Antoinette. These pistoles took on a spoonful of sugar roll by allowing her to take her medicine without the bitter aftertaste. If you want, you can actually still buy them today, and then pretend to be an out-of-touch aristocrat just like her. But what we're interested in are chocolate cookies, and the first mention of a chocolate-flavored cookie, like those used in the Disney Parks dessert, didn't come out until 1891, when chocolate manufacturer Cadbury actually filed a patent for the first ever chocolate-covered cocoa-flavored biscuits. These biscuits are actually a lot like the chocolate wafers that you'd find in an Oreo cookie, and that Disney grinds up in order to make their gray stuff. Unfortunately, these sorts of cookies weren't invented until over a century after the events of the movie take place. So, there you have it. The gray stuff could in no way be a chocolate cookie mousse, because chocolate cookies were still a hundred years away from actually being invented. Following this logical path, that the residents of the Beast's castle can't get cookies to make the gray Stuff it begs the unfortunate question of, well, what are they getting? Presumably, no one here has been able to go to the market for the last decade. Uh, 10 years we've been rusting. And let's get real about this. We're talking about a clock, a teapot, and a candlestick during the French Revolution. It's not like these guys are going to be insta-carting their weekly groceries to the castle gates. That then begs the question: what would these characters be eating for the past decade? Well, the answer is actually a lot simpler than you'd think. Back in the 18th century, castles weren't reliant on what they could buy at stores, but instead, on what they could hunt, gather, or grow. Thanks to the notes of, um, oof, prepare for impact on this one, Francois de Pavé de Villevielle, patriarch of the Chateau de Villevielle, nailed it! Anyway, thanks to that guy with the most French-sounding name in France, we actually get a pretty good idea of what the castle would have been eating at the time. Meat from cattle and pigs were probably big on the menu, along with poultry like chickens, ducks, and geese. They would have also grown grains like wheat and rye, vegetables such as onions and garlic, as well as popular fruits including olives, peaches, and figs. We actually see a lot of these exact things in the Br guest scene so we're generally on the right track here even down to the frothy beer which was commonly made even by peasants in their own homes as far back as the 1620s there are a few glaring exceptions here though including ironically enough the champagne at the end of the scene champagne was only just becoming available in the 1700s and couldn't be made in-house though so I suppose there's some world where they're dipping into some sort of a champagne reserve as a way to pull out all the stops for Bell as their last chance of breaking the spell oh and also let's not forget those strike on box matches at the top of the song. Those weren't available until 1827. Outside of those two, though, the majority of the items here are period consistent, so we're still safe to analyze this whole thing based on the products available in 1700s France. Beyond availability, we actually get our next clue on what the grey stuff is by considering what it's being served with. When Lumiere opens the cloche, we can clearly see that the grey stuff is surrounded by savory options, including a sausage roll and this orange stuff on a cracker that's likely to be caviar, which had just become a hit around this time period after migrating over from Russia. There's There's also a sandwich with a green olive on top, that's more of a 1960s Italian deli sort of thing, but we'll just go with it. There's also this wrapped poop-looking thing as well, which could be a blood pudding pastry, also common at the time. My point being, these are all savory, and considering that there's caviar here, expensive. So you'd expect the grey stuff to follow suit. This was a time period in France known for a lot of excess. Historically Marie Antoinette would have been living down the road in Paris. It was not known for being austere or particularly thoughtful about its food sources. Happens that exactly around the time that Beauty and the Beast takes place, 1750s to 1770s, a new food craze happened to be sweeping the French nation, and that dish was foie gras. If you've watched a lot of Food Network or have yourself a celebrity chef stand, you've probably heard of this dish before even if you've never tried it. Foie gras is essentially fatty goose or duck liver. Yeah, the inner organs of a bird served exactly like we see it in the movie. Whipped into a gray paste, mixed with spices, and then served as a tangy pate on a cracker. Now, saying that this dish is is new is a little bit of a misnomer, since you can date the history of foie gras all the way back to the ancient Egyptians. But during the Middle Ages, foie gras disappeared out of the global consciousness. Like, a lot of things. Its modern incarnation, though, was reintroduced at the exact place and the exact time of Beauty and the Beast. It would have been something only royalty or noble classes would have been exposed to at the time of the movie, since it was first made as a special preparation for the Marquis of Cantade, and later for King Louis XVI. This helps to explain why Lumiere points out this dish in particular among all the canapé on Belle's plate during the song. This is one of the biggest new food crazes of the time, and something that the Beast's royal court would have been exposed to, but peasants like Belle would never have seen. Now while foie gras is the most likely historical candidate for the grey stuff, it's also understandable why Disney doesn't serve it, just from a practical standpoint. Foie gras, as the movie shows, is a delicacy that's typically very expensive, served in small amounts, and requires a delicate preparation. This is not gonna stand up to the hordes that have just stumbled off Space Mountain looking for a filling lunch. Disney is trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator as millions of park goers come through the gates every year. A rebrand from hoity-toit French goose liver to child-friendly cookies and cream dessert makes total sense. But there's another reason that Disney's leaned hard away from historical accuracy when marketing the gray stuff. In 1991 when this movie released, foie gras was widely considered a global delicacy available at high-end restaurants all over the world. Since the movies come out though, the public image of foie gras has taken in quite the tumble. The issue is that in order to make high quality foie gras, you need extremely large fatty goose liver. As many of us know from seeing late night infomercials about the dangers of belly fat, you may be able to guess that to get a liver with a ton of fat in it, you need to treat your body pretty badly. And in the case of the geese used to make foie gras, they need an incredibly unhealthy lifestyle to achieve the size and fat level of liver used in this dish. In order to qualify as foie gras, a duck's liver would have to weigh between 450 and 600 grams. A goose liver would have to weigh in between 650 and 800 grams. For reference, a normal duck liver weighs 50 grams. A normal goose liver weighs 60 to 70. They are expected to swell to almost 10 times their normal size. To do that, the birds undergo gavage, which is a force-feeding method made to enlarge their livers. Now, ducks and geese are known to overeat seasonally in order to store fat for winter, which is originally how ancient cultures discovered these fatty livers in the first place. But the extent to which these birds are made unhealthy year-round is extreme. In this day and age, practice of gavage is considered so barbaric that foie gras is actually banned in many countries. Like, more countries than Mrs. Potts has children in that cupboard. So, with the global view of foie gras having shifted so drastically in the last few decades, Disney suddenly has a much more political reason to try and give that grey stuff a sweet makeover. The one food that the movie actively pushes on the main character, and that the main character has a positive reaction to, is now widely associated with global violations on animal rights. In fact, the historical and political context of foie gras may also help explain why Disney chose to release the gray stuff in Disney parks in 2013 even though the movie had been out since 1991. I mean, they had all that time in between, why were they waiting? Well, in the intervening time between the release of the movie, more and more countries kept coming out with rulings against the production of foie gras and the force feeding of animals. California, home of Disneyland, passed a ban on foie gras in 2004 as one of the earliest regions to do so. That ruling, however, was contested for several years until a final ruling upheld the ban in 2012, putting it into full effect. Huh, and once you know it, the foie gras ban happened less than one year before the premiere of the new grey stuff in Disney parks and its wide availability in 2013. 2012 was also a landmark year for foie gras in Europe, where the leaders of 12 nations, including the leader of France's Green Party, demanded legislation to end the production of the dish. Huh, and would you look at that, all these foie gras bans happened less than one year before the premiere of Disney's new grey stuff in the parks and its wide availability which happened in 2013. Again, this could be a coincidence. But if I'm Disney and I have some of my most beloved characters actively endorsing a product that's synonymous with animal abuse, I'm gonna try and head that one off at the pass. And what better way to avoid facing up to animal rights allegations than to create a distracting and highly marketable dessert for nostalgic 90s Disney fans. Just cookies and cream here, guys. No force-fed geese in this direction. And that, my friends, is why Disney doesn't want you to know the truth about its most famous food. It's because people wouldn't like it. And I'm not just talking about the flavor. But hey, that's just a theory. A food theory. Bon appetit. (laughs)